Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Well, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday, spending that special time with family and friends, and now it's the 1st of December, and we're all ready to get back at it. This week is Tiger's event down in the Bahamas called the Hero World Challenge. I've actually done the TV the last couple of years from there, but I was benched for this year. I'm not doing it, so I'll be back home watching it on TV with great interest. Some things I'm looking forward to watching. Number one, I want to watch how Tiger plays, hosting this event, and also captaining next week's President's Cup team, as well as playing in the President's Cup. He's got his uh, he's got his plate full, but I have learned to never bet against Tiger Woods. The guy just seems to be incredible. He's got so much on his plate, and he just seems to uh, handle it with great class and great uh, great ability. So. I'm going to watch Tiger next, or this week, I should say, at the at the Hero World Challenge. Also, the President Cup tune-up for Captain Woods' team until Dustin Johnson withdrew last week because of uh, lingering effects from his knee surgery he had back uh, in September. Up until his withdrawal, all 12 of Captain Woods' President's Cup team were going to be in the Bahamas tuning up at the Hero World Challenge. So that's something I'm going to do, watch the form of of those players. And also, watch for Ricky Fowler. He is back. If you remember, he was first snubbed by Captain Woods on the President's Cup selection. And then, because of Brooks Kepka's withdrawal, he is now on the team. So that's going to be great to see. His first tournament back since he got married. And also, he's been struggling with an intestinal bug that he picked up, I think, during his honeymoon. So good to see Ricky back. Good to see... Uh, him on the President's Cup team. I thought he would be originally picked by Captain Woods in the first four guys, but I was wrong. But I'm glad to, sorry to see Brooks not be able to play, but glad to see Ricky on the team. Back to Dustin Johnson, that knee surgery. People don't realize how difficult golf can be on your body. And I speak from, from personal experience. And I know that even Captain Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas and Lee Trevino, Tom Watson, all the way down the list. Everybody struggles with some sort of an injury or ailment because of the game of golf. There's so much going on during the golf swing. I know the golf ball just sits there and challenges you to hit it, but with your feet firmly planted on the ground and there's so much torque when you make your backswing and go the other direction on your follow-through all the way to impact and through to the finish, you've got so much going on. So I'm glad to see that Dustin is not going to play this week at the Hero World Challenge and he's preparing for his uh, competition at the President's Cup next week down in Australia. One other comment about Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson will not be at the President's Cup team. That's the first international, or I should say national team, representing the United States that will not have a Phil Mickelson on since 1993. He has made consecutive teams on the President's Cup team and the Ryder Cup team since 1993. So, I do think the team will miss his motivational style and the way that he pumps everybody up. I wish that Captain Woods would have selected him as a an assistant captain. He's going to be a Ryder Cup captain or a President's Cup captain in the future. I would just love to see Phil there. I know he wouldn't have a golf club in his hand. He'd have a radio and a walkie-talkie and, and an earpiece, but I think he could motivate the guys and, and really do some special things for the team. 
Really excited about joining up this week on the podcast with my good friend Tinker Hatfield, Oregon Duck alum, just like me. We used to do a lot of stuff together back when we were at the University of Oregon. Jan, my wife, and Jackie, Tinker's wife, were college roommates, so naturally, we would spend a lot of time together. Tinker was a lead designer of the Air Jordans back since uh, since that started, all the way to today, and he was also named Sports Style Magazine's most influential people on the business side of sports. He's in the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, and Fortune Magazine named him one of 100 most influential designers of the 20th century, and he certainly hasn't slowed down going into the 21st century, so we're going to catch up with Tinker. The guy loves guitars. That's one of my passions. He collects guitars, so I always go over and love to sit in his house and play guitars, and we also have a a love of the Oregon Ducks. Everybody's in love with their uniforms, or maybe you hate the Oregon Ducks uniforms. I don't know, but Tinker is the uh, is the genius behind all of that. So look forward to catching up with Tinker here this week on the podcast. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. The rowdy and loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in I don't play as many PGA Tour events anymore, or, or PGA Tour Champions Tour events for that matter. But when I do, I'm always traveling with my golf clubs. When I'm traveling with my golf clubs, that means that they're in my club glove. It's one of the most dependable pieces of luggage I've had my entire career. And players like Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, on and on and on, they trust club glove as well. You know you want to arrive safely but you want your clubs to be there as well, and they usually do, thanks to my club glove. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it up, it's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here. Can you hear me, Tinker? I can indeed. How are you How about this you? morning? I'm great. I'm good. How are you? How are you, Peter? I'm good. You, uh, where are you? You, you in the car? Are you traveling? What are you doing? I'm actually uh, in a car parked outside of my studio in Portland. Well, thanks for thank you for doing this. Are you going to the game on Saturday? I am. I'm excited to uh, continue to watch the resurgence of the Duck program. It's been been fun. Will you be on the field? Or are you going to be up with us in the uh, in the skybox? I am planning to be on the field for a good part of the game, but you know how big those guys are. It's hard to, it's hard to see the game from down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun for me to go down there. I usually go down pregame, and I stand around and watch guys come out and have a chance to catch up with a lot of my friends, including you and Pat Kilkenny and Phil Knight. But it is amazing when I watch these guys, and I'm standing next to the linemen and 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 even the, the the tight ends and the receivers, how big these guys are! And and I remember being on the field with when Oregon played Auburn in the national championship next to Cam Newton. Cam Newton, he looked like he looked like a lineman. He was so big. Well, he was bigger than all of our guys, I think. So um, things have really changed for uh, Oregon. I'd, I'd say that uh, we are now starting to measure up in size to. Uh, the top competition in the country, which is a, which is good. It's good. 
Tigger, I want to go way back to when we met. Uh, we both went to University of Oregon at the same time. In fact, we met uh, briefly on campus, but uh, we we ended up dating roommates. And I have a I have a memory of driving out of our and I use that term loosely our apartment, living with uh, Jan and Jackie, driving down to play mini tours. I just turned pro, and it was sometime in in June of 1976 driving away and uh, starting my PGA Tour career. But uh, those were the fun days. Back at the University of Oregon, we didn't have any responsibility. <laughs> well, I, Peter, I remember that uh, that time extremely clearly. And I, uh, I have to say it was a lot of fun to um, be hanging out with, with Jackie and Jen. And you, uh, you got married, if I recall, first. And... So um, my my one of my peak memories was when you returned from one of your trips in one of those early tournaments with a giant cardboard check because you had won and I believe we had a few glasses of wine and uh, and uh, toasted the uh, the big the big check the big win so that that was really a lot of fun Peter. It was the Northern. It was the Northern California Open. It was my first P, uh, first professional, not PGA Tour. My first professional tournament, which I won, Lake Shastina down in Northern Cal, and I won thirty five hundred dollars. And would you would you believe it? I still have that check because that <laughs> meant so much to me. It was a it was a validation of turning pro and 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 having some success. And obviously, you know all about that working with Nike for so many years. The athletes you work with, people like Michael Jordan, clearly Roger Federer, and and Tiger when Tiger first joined. So you've seen the success of some incredible athletes come through the uh, the walls at Nike. Oh, I tell you, it is it has been a, a magical ride. Uh, it's um, sometimes yeah, I feel like I'm in I'm in the in the thick of it. You know, working with athletes that are achieving one great things, and sometimes. I'm just on the periphery, but either way, um, just being somewhat close or uh, to the to the to history, basically, because uh, what we what we see with some of these athletes are uh, are uh, accomplishments that have never been done before. And Tiger would be an example of that, winning so many tournaments at a young age, and uh, working with Michael Jordan, uh, who who just was basically a a competitor without peer. And uh, and uh, I will go. Let's go back to your to uh, when to your days as uh, as especially uh, when I first uh, met you and you were playing uh, on the Oregon team. Um, you were winning at the University of Oregon, and I remember um, you know thinking, uh, "Wow, this guy is is not not only." I, and I knew that you had played high school sports, so I knew you were you were a multi sport athlete. But I I just remember um, us talking about uh, you know what what it takes to not only um you know you know prepare but also to to win and uh it was a lot of fun i i have enjoyed all of these relationships with athletes and and including you peter <laughs> well Tigger, do you find you were a you were a multi state uh multi sport athlete back in when you were in high school in fact you held a lot of the state records here in the state of oregon for many years you were a track and field star you played you played football and actually you ran track for the legendary Bill Bowerman back uh, back in the days, but 
Do you find that uh, – would you rather see kids today focus on one sport, or do you think it's beneficial as a kid developing, and I'm talking 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, do you think it's beneficial for them to, to play a lot of sports, or what, what age should they start focusing on their chosen sport? I think I think that is a very very interesting question and one that uh, is uh, you know somewhat controversial depending on who you talk to. But since you asked me and I, you and I uh, have this uh, long and wonderful relationship, I'll just give it to you straight. I think uh, young people ought to ought to uh, experiment with different sports and have fun and play. Uh, whatever they would like to play, you know, certainly up until they get into, um, you know, early high school. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, uh, by then, you know, you've matured a little bit more and you might, you might actually have a pretty good idea at what uh, you're good at. And, uh, but until then, I think people ought to be playing um, a lot of different sports. I think it's, uh, it's more fun. There are fewer injuries. Uh, it's been, you know, clinically proven that, if you focus too early on one sport, the injury level actually goes up because of the repetitive nature of uh, doing the same thing over and over again can cause injury. So there you have it. Yeah, I, I think it's important for kids to – in fact, I have a lot of my friends that have either uh, boys or girls or even grandkids. Now that I'm getting up there, you and I are close to the same age. Yeah. And, and they always ask me, should I get them to focus on one sport or let them play whatever they want. And I always say the same thing. Let them play whatever they want because they are eventually going to gravitate, whether it's to golf, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever it may be, they're going to have a passion for that sport. And that's when you can start to focus. And that usually comes in, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years old. That's the way it was for me. I played basketball, I skied, and I played golf. and, And I really started to focus in on what I wanted to do when when I got to when I got to high school and when obviously I got to Oregon I I had success playing playing golf. Hey, I want to touch on one thing before I let you go. One of the things that I've had passion for my whole life is music, and you have mm. too. In fact, <laughs> we used to we used to celebrate your birthday party with the uh, with the uh, with a show a musical show that that yep, you would do right. with all your family yeah. and friends. And you know who misses it most? My grandson, Baz. He oh, Baz, yeah. Well, you know, your your family is full of music musical talent. Amy uh, was just, just slayed us all. She was fantastic. And then Baz, out of nowhere, uh, stole the show. So, um, And then, uh, of course, you, you showed up a few times on video, uh, which was hysterically cool because... Um, you were Amy was singing and performing live, and you were on a video because you were someplace else, and everybody loved that. It was uh, it was a great show. Yeah, that was really fun. And the other thing I've learned too, and you let me down to buy a new guitar. You started a <laughs> guitar collection, which I was at your house a couple months ago, and you showed me the the entire collection, which is cool as can be. But I went out and bought a very rare guitar that you had recommended to me. Uh, I believe it was called the Waterloo. Is that is that correct? Wa- I'm blanking yeah. on that. Uh, Waterloo out of Austin, Texas. That's exactly right. A very uh, very um, small production, um, but extremely uh, great sounding um, guitar, especially for the kind of music that I think that uh, you and I both like, which is you know which is 
you know, that kind of uh, bluesy strumming and, and uh, kind of uh, soulful singing. Um, and I would like to just point out that I can't sing a lick, but I really like the way you do it. And so, uh, so, that, so that guitar is probably perfect for your voice. Um, there's no guitar that's perfect for my voice, I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to tell you uh, one last thing. Uh, Jan and I were in Vegas last weekend, and we had a chance to see Phil Collins. And Phil Collins came out. He's really struggling. He had back surgery. Uh, Phil's 68 years old now, but he came out on stage, and that competitive spirit came through. He absolutely knocked it out of the park. He was so good, and he has his 18-year-old son, Nicholas, playing drums behind him, sounding just as good as his dad, Phil, has always wow, yeah. sounded with Genesis and even uh, even uh, through his individual career, his uh, his. Uh, his uh, his love for the music came through in that concert. All right, well, Tinker, we're going to let you go. Thanks a lot for yeah. taking the time to join us. And uh, as we always say, go Ducks. Go Ducks, Peter. Thanks for calling. Take okay, care. Sir, we'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. You've been here before. You know what to do. Keep your head on straight. Don't let them. your body hurts like mine, but I look back over my PGA Tour career and I actually used to run two or three miles a day. I can't even imagine running today. I used to go to the gym. I used to lift weights. I used to, on the treadmill and the elliptical, I was, I wouldn't say I was in every day, but I was in probably two or three times a week. Nowadays, these players have taken it to the, to the next level. They're in they're in the gym twice a day on competitive round days, which is which blows my mind. But now that I'm 65 years old, I've had a couple of hip replacements and a knee replacement and back surgery. I hope you can't relate to this, which would mean uh, you're, you're in, still in pretty good shape. But if you do relate to this, I've got to share with you something. My daughter, Kristen, who's a, who's a doctor, she told me that she heard of this new group popping up called Stretch Lab. And she said there was one up in Mount Kisco, New York, where, where she lives. So I decided to take a, uh, take a chance. I went up and I had an appointment. Well, I, I'm hooked. I have now been going to the stretch lab here in Portland, Oregon, as well as uh, in New York. And I go in a couple times a week and I get stretched. Now, obviously, we get stretched in the PGA Tour fitness van. And it's an essential thing. But these guys stretch me like I've, I've never stretched before. And as a result, I feel much better. I feel like I've got a little bit of a, a spring in my step. I feel like my golf game has gotten a little bit better. So the moral to this story is if your body hurts like mine, maybe start looking at doing more stretching, a little bit more intense work with, with a stretching technique or a stretching regimen I think it's going to surprise you. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up, making sure they show it. They're 
Well, here's something to think about. The controversy on how far the golf ball goes, especially on the PGA Tour, continues to rage on. I think back, oh my gosh, it's probably been 15, 20 years ago when Jack Nicklaus was the first one to say, we need to slow the ball down. The ball goes too far. Now, it's pretty funny because anytime I play in a pro-am or I, I'm in a room of people giving a speech, I ask, I ask everybody, if you think the golf ball goes too far for you, raise your hand. And believe me, there's crickets in the room. It sounds, nobody raises their hand because I'm not so sure that it goes too far for the average player. But I do know that it goes too far or it goes an incredible distance for PGA Tour players. I know it drives me crazy when I'm out doing my work on television and when players reach par five and they have a driver and a seven iron, where back when I played that same hole, it was a driver and maybe a full three wood, and then maybe a wedge. So the golf ball goes farther. Now, having said that, the way the players prepare is totally different than when I played. These players work out in the morning. They work out in the afternoon. They lift weights. They run. They take care of their bodies like no other golfers have in the history of the game. So the training is better. The teaching is better, the swings are better, the, the technology is better. Having said all that, even though the players are more prepared and, and better prepared to play and win on the PGA Tour, I still think the USGA and the RNA need to take a look at the golf ball because some of the great golf courses we play are becoming obsolete. It's, it's really fun to be able to watch these players play Pebble Beach and Southern Hills and Wingfoot and to be able to compare eras. I know that's almost impossible to do, but I would love to see the influencers in the game take a look at the golf ball. Let's slow it down. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?